Troy Song, thank you very much for joining me here. Uh, give us a, a little bit of background about yourself. Okay, so I am a video producer. So I run New Heights Media and we have video teams all across Australia and we do videos for small businesses. Right. And so, uh, apart so, from that, I do wildlife photography. Oh, okay. Oh, terrific. Oh, yes, I mean, I did that um, never full time. Uh, but like wildlife videography, I used to have to go and, you know, for certain programs go. I remember doing the golden-shouldered parrot up in North Queensland, sitting in hides forever waiting for them. Uh, and also the condors in um, uh, California. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, sitting in hides. Yeah. So, so uh, you mentioned uh, a video producer. What's a video producer? Yeah, so a producer is someone that kind of, organizes all the different things. So when you have a video shoot, you have like a director, you have the person on the camera, you have a makeup artists sometimes, you know, hair people, assistants, people that carry the gear. This is for like a bigger shoot. Um, and when you have a smaller shoot, you just have, you know, maybe one or two people, but they do all the other jobs. So the producer's job is to organize all the people, talk to the client, get the client's vision, make sure that um, the vision comes to life pretty much. Do you, do you shoot as well on video? I do. I actually shoot a lot on my phone myself when I'm, uh, I love the phone as well. So uh, when I'm doing shoots, I'm myself, I'm doing them on, on my phone. And when I have bigger production shoots, I stay as a producer and then the, the team brings out their big cameras. Right. So, and do you, do you prefer producing or do you prefer shooting? Um, I probably say they're about even but I, I guess I'd probably say producing because I've done it for so long and it just becomes a lot easier and a lot quicker to know all the different parts to do you know as you do something more often you get better at it I suppose so I probably have more experience producing um, so I'd say I'll go with that. Where does the process start so if I was a small business uh, owner and I went oh right I've got to make videos because I've been told I've got to make videos and they come and they say maybe they've got uh, not just one video because typically they'd maybe want oh can you do a suite of videos for us you know maybe a like something a sales video for our you know like a, a, a promo for our homepage and maybe a couple of explainer videos where does it start? I think it would start with a call with the client and figure out what they want to achieve. So what would be the purpose of the videos? Um, does, do you want the videos to be on social media to build your presence? Or do you want to get more clients? Is it going to be a sales video? So there are a lot of different purposes. So the first thing I think would be to find out what you want to get out of the videos. Uh, how much clarity has the, is there such a thing as an average small business owner in your experience as a video producer how much clarity do they have about what they need and how much do you have to guide them through to that point of, of understanding i think it's a mix so some people come going oh i want to just do this one video because i saw this other person do this one video um they will jump on a call and we'll actually you know discover that what they want is totally different from what they first thought they wanted so we'll go on that journey and explore what they actually want to get and um, on the other hand, we also have people that have done videos for years and they know exactly what they want and we'll just help them achieve their vision. Where do clients typically try to cut costs? Um, depends, I guess. Sometimes it would be with the amount of crew. So 
instead of doing like a two or three camera shoot, we might just cut it down to one camera. And if uh, they need to cut costs even more, then, you know, you might cut out the assistant, but that just means that the camera person has more work to do and it increases the risk of something going wrong because a camera person isn't just pointing the camera. They also have to listen to the sound. They also have to listen to the actual talent to make sure that what they're saying is correct. Um, they have to do the lighting. They have to do a lot of people's jobs in one job if you end up cutting them out. Yeah, and it's interesting that because one of the things that uh, it's a key first principle I try to teach people is that any shortcuts you take in the production, in the field, will generally end up costing you more in the editing process trying to fix. And it's something that people... It's understandable, of course, because, you know, uh, you know, video production is typically more expensive than most people think. Uh, and they're just looking to shave anything off where they can. Yes, I find that sometimes. Um, yeah. yeah, so in the editing, it can blow out of cost because uh, this is mainly for photos. But, you know, oh, hair's out of place. But now I need to Photoshop that hair out of place for all the 20 photos. And that takes up time. Uh, but similar things for videos, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, where, uh, if a um, if you could pre-educate a client, uh, what would you? So, what's the one thing that that you would across the board say? If you just did this one thing, it's going to make this whole process a lot easier. I would say planning. So, um, I think the more planning that you do on the front end, the in the pre-production phase, then the production goes smoother. And then the edit goes smoother as well. So, you know, when you're planning, do you know what videos you're doing? Do you know what you're saying? Do you know what you're wearing? Have all those things ready and as much as you can ready. Um, because I found in experience, you know, from my experience that people that have done the most planning have, have had a really smooth shoot day and the editing has gone really smoothly as well. Um, we do have two types of clients, right? We have clients that wing it and we have clients that plan. So with the clients that wing it, the shoot day is generally fine because they're great on camera. They can talk already. They, they don't need to uh, prepare as much because they know their topic. Um, but what that might mean is you end up having a really long 30-minute interview and then, oh, I have to cut it down to two minutes. Which of those two minutes do you actually want? And then uh, what other things do you need on the end part? Oh, do you want some stock footage as well? Did you want subtitles? And it's, it's all the back end the extra discussion that has to happen um that then you know makes that that post-production longer do you have any rough figures where you if someone came to you and said i want to make a video but i've got no idea how much it, it's going to cost do you do you do you have like a there's you know you get this for two thousand you get this for five thousand you get this for ten thousand you get this for fifty thousand do you, do, you, do you have a basic description of what people would expect? It's it's like a how long is a piece of string question because, you know, a videographer in one part of Australia might charge totally different to somebody else and then you compare it to America or another country as well. It's just, um, yeah, very, very different. But for where I am in Sydney, um, if you're looking to get a professional video done, um, you're probably looking to start from, you know, two or three thousand dollars for a half day shoot with a you know proper production with pre-production with the cameras um and if um, that's out of your budget then you can look at doing iphone things instead um and if you're more of a corporate company and you want you know more strategy involved and 
Um, it's more than like a half day shoot. It might be a multi-day shoot. Um, you're looking probably like, you know, 10,000 and upwards. So again, it really depends on what your vision is and what you want to achieve and how many videos you want to create. Yeah. And so if there was a, if, if, uh, if it was a corporate client who said they wanted to uh, uh, have a, let's just say a five minute video. And I know that, you know, like it's not about the length of, of a video, you know, we're not buying it by the second, but just say they said, we wanted a five minute video to have high production value. If you said something off the top of your head, what, what would that be for a, for a finished product? I would ask then, what do you want in that five minute video? Because um, the, I guess the lowest level of that would be just the person talking to the camera with some subtitles or some text on the screen. But that, um, that's good, but then you could level up again and you could put what you call B-roll in, which is the vision that goes on top of them talking. So, and with that B-roll, how many locations do you need to go to to overlay, to tell the story of what's happening? And how long is that gonna take if you're doing multiple locations? So, um, so back to the first level, if it's just a person on camera, maybe some graphics and some stock images on screen, probably do that in a half day shoot. I'd probably say like, um, maybe like $2,000 for the filming and the editing. Um, then if you, you know, go up to the next level with the B-roll, with the overlay footage and things like that, uh, you're probably starting from around four or $5,000 and then it goes up again, depending on if it's going to be multiple days, multiple locations to get those different vision shots to overlay the five minute video. There's a great... Sense. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, terrific. And you're right, it is how long is a piece of string. I'm just trying to get if, if there's was a language that you used or or something. It's a it's, it's a random question. There's no right answer. That's great. Do you know that there's a great series uh, of three videos made by the video platform Wistia? Uh, and uh, I'll put a link to them uh, below this uh, episode that uh, they've got a video for I think it's a thousand. Then they've got a video for 10,000 and then they've got a video for 100,000 and they've produced the same video for those. And it's really instructive about what you can expect and, and what you would expect $100,000 gets you the look and feel of a Hollywood feature. Uh, but, uh, you know, for a thousand dollars, it's you would expect it someone running around, you know, on an iPhone and uh, it's creative, uh, but it's a completely different feel. So I'll, I'll put the link below because that's a good starter point for a lot of people. Um, you were mentioning stock footage. Uh, tell me your thoughts on stock footage now about where where you source them, the different levels of quality uh, and also comparing it to, OK, if we had to go out and shoot this ourselves. So I've got a couple of full-time editors on the team. So they have access to different stock libraries. I don't remember the names of the ones that they use because they have access to a few of them. You probably know. Um, so yeah, so they use them sometimes when, when the client chooses to only do the face to camera part because of a lack of time or lack of uh, budget. So that's when we do use it. Um, it can make a video really pop, if, especially if you're doing social media videos, you're scrolling up the feed, that makes you stop and go, oh, what's that? That's in, that looks interesting. Um, on the flip side of that, sometimes uh, stock image videos can look a little bit fake because generally you can tell when stock images are stock images and stock videos are stock videos too. Yeah, you know, the thing about, I, I really frust frustrates me about stock footage 
is that particularly when I'm looking for people, is that everyone's too pretty and too perfect. I, I reckon if you could have a stock library of normal, regular people, you'd do really well because I'm always searching for that stuff and it takes so long. Um, a couple of terms that I've found that I use is candid. If you type into the search candid, uh, quite often you'll, you, you'll get up more regular looking people. Yeah, awesome. And what I'm doing with some of the clients, actually, because we do recurring videos once a quarter, is we start building up their own stock library. So um, in a half day shoot, we might spend the first hour and a half doing face to camera videos. And then we'll spend the next uh, hour and a half doing B-roll footage and creating their own stock library. So as the quarters go by, their stock library is building. Yeah. And that's um, when I was back in, in my shooting days and we would travel to remote locations, we would always... Because the cost had been, you know, to take us there was that whenever we were there, we would always shoot more than we needed. Uh, and quite often, and back then I was shooting on tape, you know, like, you know, not did. But, re but regardless, even if there was a card or something, but I'd just put in a separate card uh, or tape and just use that as a, a library tape uh, and just build up that library of footage because it is um, so much cheaper to, to go and use your own. Uh, and it, the, the, as well... Also, it's unique because you've shot it yourself rather yep. than generic. Yeah, and in the terms of uh, for businesses, I guess, it's also nice to have, you know, people that are in your actual business sometimes appear, even if it's just, you know, footage of laughing with the team or drinking a coffee or at the computer. It's nice to include people. I think it's nice to include people that are in your team too. How do you find, uh, let me start that again, what problems... Let me start that again. I'll find. I know it's, I'm just going to leave leave this in. This is fine. Um, just as an example, that if you're watching this now, it's okay to stuff up. It doesn't matter, right? You know, if if you wanted to, at the end we could cut it out. But I'm not going to. I'm going to leave it in. Um, it. How do you go about directing people on camera to appear natural? And I'm going to lead this into what your thoughts about teleprompters are. So thoughts to a appear natural when they're on camera. Um, so do you find it difficult for, you know, so if, if you're working with a small business owner who's all of a sudden, you know, you know like, you know, the deer in front of the, 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 the headlights, um, you know, what do you do? How do you approach that to get them to relax and, you know, present better? I think I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of professional speakers. So um, probably half of our clients are already really great on camera. So I'm very lucky. Um, but then for, for people that are kind of nervous to be on camera, a um, couple of different things. So one, bring a friend or bring some friends with you. Because I find that sometimes if it's just you and a videographer that you might not know yet, it can be a little bit daunting. But if you have friends or family with you that kind of is, are there to support you and guide you and can nod along and smile at you to make sure you're doing a good job. I think that's um, quite encouraging and it kind of puts you at ease. Um, second thing is uh, have your notes with you as well. So sometimes when you're nervous in front of, your, in front of the camera, you just lose what you're going to say. So um, if, if you have your own notepad uh, with your dot points maybe or what you want to say, um, yeah, just have that to refer because it's kind of like a safety thing. Yeah, and breathe deeply and drink water. There you go. Breathe deeply, drink water. And, yeah, and and let it out. Do you know one of the things I used to do with uh, it? So 
quite often we would find that you'd have someone who's a, an expert or they're very high up, you know, they might be the CEO of a bank and, you know, they're used to everyone listening to them and they're, they're confident, but in front of the camera, they went to pieces uh, and you it just, they went tense and it was, you could see them sweating. Uh, I would stop the camera and I'd stand up, walk around the back and I'd walk around behind the person and I would do what I call appropriate touching. And I used the palm of my hands and I put it on the person's shoulders and just press down gently. So it's just go and just go, it's okay. Right. And I do this to really senior people. Just it's okay. Right. We're not here to stitch you up. This is going to be okay. We're going to have a second time. But I just want you to let it go because I you're not doing this well at the moment. And they just go, whoa. And I go, oh, that feels much better. And then we start again. But, you know, there certainly is a tension that's there with a lot of people. Um, and, you know, you, you've got to get that out. Otherwise, they're just never going to come across well on camera. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, thanks so, for that tip. I might try that next time. There you go. Yeah, yeah, appropriate touching. So shoulders and sides of the arms here and elbows. They're, they're all okay. So if someone was standing, you can, you know, sort of just, you know, guide someone by the elbow, guide them by the top of the arm. But just to relax someone... Like, like it's like going up and massaging someone. You're like it's a bit too familiar, a bit too quick. But just putting your hands on their shoulders and putting some pressure down, and just you know, um, you know, pressing a little bit like that uh, thing. It just it, and you know what it does? It humanizes you, the you know, the production crew, because you know, quite often you're just these strangers who have who have come in. And when people feel safe, and that's the whole thing, when people feel safe, they will perform a lot better. So, uh, teleprompters. Uh, do you uh, use teleprompters? Do you encourage people not to or to? What's your thoughts? Um, I actually use it all the time. I know some people that would say never to use it. But um, for me personally, I use them for all my uh, polished sales videos. Um, but what the biggest thing I would say is to make sure that you don't sound like you're reading. That's the main reason why people uh, discourage teleprompter use because they literally look like they're reading. You can see their eyes moving and they become monotonous. So if you are if you can read and still sound like you're talking naturally, you're using your hands and um, yeah, do it that way, then I would say that's fine because um, I generally find that with the use of the teleprompter, you can get more done within a shoot. So we do a lot of half day, four hour shoots and we can actually cover between 12 and 20 face to camera videos within that time with a teleprompter um, because the scripts are pre-prepared. I've also prepared the clients to practice them out loud. It's a, it's a lot different to doing it just in your head to practicing it out loud. Um, and because I have that, uh, that, you know, the practice of doing it before and they've done it multiple times, um, the shoot goes faster. They're able to get through a lot more content. Um, but yeah, so with that being said, that only works for people that can, read off a teleprompter without sounding like they're reading. Um, another and reason it helps me is because um, I'm not a professional speaker, so I can't just talk off the cuff like some people can. So for me, it's a lot easier. It is, uh, to, using a teleprompter is that, you know, I work with people who are professionals, uh, you know, that's what they, they did, but it took them years to get good at reading a teleprompter. So if people think that they can just get on and read it and do it well, Small percentage can, but most most people can't. And what you're saying uh, about speaking out loud, uh, incredibly important. Uh, I call it mouthfeel. 
because you've got to feel the words as you speak them out. Because sometimes the words that come out are completely, how they look on the page is not how they sound. And there's a great little example here uh, because some words you can say fast and some words you can say slow, but you can't flip them. So if you were to say, he's so smart, you could say it fast or slow. He's so smart. He's so smart. Works both ways. But if you were to say he's a ridiculous perfectionist, you can't say that slow. He's a ridiculous... It doesn't work. So if that's written down and you haven't said it out loud, when you're speaking it for the first time, you're going to stumble. And what does that mean? It costs you money in, in the long run. So, yeah, exactly what, what you were... Su I support exactly what you were saying there. Yeah, terrific. Um, tell me about how you use your smartphone. When uh, Do you use it uh, when you're on these production shoots as getting extra shots or...? Yeah, um, it comes with me everywhere. Everyone will always say that, oh, Joyce is always on a phone. It's because I am. Um, so when we're doing the proper productions, the, the guys and the crew are doing the big camera stuff, I'll often be doing behind the scenes because we make little behind the scenes reel that showcase the big cameras and they showcase our team and we put them on our social media. So um, it's really great for behind the scenes one. Um, the second thing I use it for is um, for the company I work for, um, it's called Oz Harvest. It's a food relief company that deals with, um, I guess, a lot of the lower socioeconomic areas. And um, it, as soon as you pull out a camera, they're scared. They'll shy away from you. They won't want to come near you. So um, I find that just, you know, just pulling out my phone and just doing this, I can film around them and I can film the social media content that I need to get without them shying away. So um, that's a really good, um, a good thing as well. Which phone do you have? Is I have the 12 one? plus. That's I got it before the 13 came out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've got, um, 11, I've, I've been using the 11 um, and it's still, yeah, they're just brilliant as, as they are, but it's the wide, I, when the 11 came out with that wide lens on it, that, oh, that made all the difference in the world. And it almost, because now you've got, you've got these um, three, you've got the three lenses and it takes you back to having, uh, you know, a good serviceable wide lens, pretty much like, a, you know, like an average mid lens, but then, you know, the slight telephoto and which is basically the three shots that you want anyway. So that changed, that, that was a game changer for me using the phone. Because now I just go around and, you know, using an app like Filmic Pro or something, you can basically switch between the lenses. Uh, and, um, yeah, great tool. Love oh, it. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what I'd do without, without my phone. I use it for filming every day, filming and photos. I don't think a day goes by where I don't take a photo or film something. Yeah, yeah. What, um, you've got, got any good apps that you use? Mm, I use Google Drive because I upload my my videos and my photos straight to Google Drive because I have full-time editors and then they take it from there and then they do the editing. Um, but for short, quick edits, I use a camera app called Spark Camera and that's like a, you, you import the files and then you can just pick the little sections of files that you want to use and you can create your own video from that or you What's can it actually called? so spell it spark s-p-a-r-k camera i think it's like 27 dollars or something like that so it's not a free one but i think there's a free trial you can you can use um but yeah it's all it also works as an in-camera video video as well so like you can actually press a button and record at the same time and then have that video in the app 
Oh, I think I've seen paper. this. It works on that circular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen this, but I, I, I haven't used it. And you, you think it's good? You well, obviously you use it. So I like simple, simple things, and it's yeah. simple that you use okay. it. So. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, my my favorite app uh, for editing on smartphones is CapCut. Oh gosh, I love it. Have you tried it? Which CapCut. Oh, C A P C U T. It's made by the people who make uh, TikTok. It oh, is wow. the, oh, you, <laughs> go. It's it, free. It's you know, like most apps, you get uh, you get a free version, and then you know it's not fully you know featured. This is fully featured and functional and you will be blown away by the depth of uh, filters and effects and transitions uh, and stickers and and you know I mean a lot of them are you know uh, for you know 12 year old girls granted but there's also ones that you know you can use for business videos in there go through but you'll be blown away what what you can do remove the background put a different background in uh, you know, a little bit of smoothing of the face, that, but it's all, it's so intuitive and easy, but it's just fully featured. I'll definitely have to download it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get that. All right. Uh, terrific. Uh, so is there anyone else that you uh, think I should talk to? What to do one of for? these? Oh, for one of these? Uh, do you know Gideon Shalwick? Oh, years ago, I, I uh, connected with him very briefly. Yeah, he's uh, up in the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, and uh, he was one of my old video mentors about maybe three or four years ago. We did, um, yeah, maybe six months to a year together, and I learned a lot from him. And he's got really great points of view, um, especially as well for being on camera. So, you know, he talks about the fears that people have, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, and how to overcome those fears as well. So um, I think he'd be a great person to talk to. Okay. And who do you see out there who you think is using video really well? And I don't mean like you know, the glossiest videos, but using video really effectively. Um, I think one of, um, one of our clients, Amanda Stevens, she's a professional speaker. I, I would say that she's one of the uh, first people that come to mind when, I say who's, when, you, when you say who's using video really well. Yeah. Um, if you have a look at her website, it's just full of videos and they're categorized by, you know, the different industries that she speaks for. Then you have a look at her social media and then it's got cuts from all the different speaking gigs all put together to tell a story. And so I think she uses um, videos really well all over online stuff. And then um, the way that her team edits it as well, they put together really good stories. Oh, that's really So if people want to connect with you, where can they do that, Joyce? Um, I'm online on all the platform, on all the social media platforms, or you can just go to joyceong.com and send me a, uh, send me a request message. Terrific. I'll put those links, uh, below and, uh, thanks for having a chat. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.